0: It's Technology Corner for the week of October 8th, 2006. I'm Bill Blynn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour, because we leave out all the sports, all the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Starting with something a little unusual this week. This is not, strictly speaking, a technology item, but it is something that people who use certain kinds of technology will probably see. In the past couple of weeks, I've received three or four mailings, regular old postal mailings, the ones that come in with a stamp on them, that look like invoices. They're not. These are from a company that offers to extend my trial subscription or renew an existing subscription. When I opened the envelopes, I found inside an invoice from ELI Journals. Well, I'd never heard of ELI Journals, but a little bit of web research told me who they are. They're the old Element K Journals. Element K Journals cover a variety of software applications and provide information for users of those applications. I have seen some of the publications in the past, I've never been particularly impressed by them, because they seem to provide very little information, although they, they did present it rather nicely. They're typically four-color presentation, four-color publications. But they spent more time on their own presentation than they did on developing content. So I never subscribed to any of these publications. Still, it would appear that they obtain the lists of people who own applications from companies such as Adobe. Hence the envelope I received with the invoice inside. And by the way, in very small print, it does say it's not an invoice. But still, you receive an envelope that looks fairly official. From the Indemnification Department in the Office Center at 1285 Avenue of the Americas, 35th floor, New York, New York, 10019 with dated information enclosed on the outside, you might tend to want to open that, because indemnification suggests this is something to do with insurance, maybe. Well, of course I opened it. Uh, In the process of opening it, I did notice that it had been mailed from Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, that's not particularly a problem. A lot of companies use letter shops that are not in their hometowns, But New York City has an awful lot of letter shops. So I wondered why messages from New York City were mailed from North Carolina. What I found inside was the subscription notice. So it said, subscription notice for Creative Designer, a publication I've never heard of, from Eli Journals in Baltimore, Maryland. So now we've got New York and Baltimore involved, plus the place where it was mailed from. Well, they wanted me to sign up for Creative Designer... And I, that was a $147 subscription per year. And I'd of course get all of the online archives, all issues. That's a $189 value. And that would be free. And I'd get the online discussion forum, an $89 value. Who charges for online discussion forums? That would be an $89 value and that would be free. And I'd get, besides that, a $50 discount. So I'd have to pay only, only and then I noticed further that the return address was not to Eli Journals, but to New Hill Services. I did a little research on New Hill Services, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit. At the bottom, a standard detach here, and return this notice with your payment, and then in very small type, this is not an invoice, it is an offer to extend your trial subscription What? trial subscription i might ask for a full year you are under no obligation to pay for the issues you have received well that's good because i haven't received any guys are tricks like this illegal well apparently they aren't apparently you can lie about who you are hp has certainly been doing that more on that later so you can lie about who you are but that's not apparently illegal another item i received from the same company claimed to have come from 6565 America's Parkway, Suite 200, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. On the outside of the envelope, it told me that account document number S2B2, like R2D2, was enclosed. Well, that's certainly pretty exciting, isn't it? It also said, in a little box, U.S. Mail... The enclosed documents are intended solely for the addressee listed and should be opened by the aforementioned only. Do not bend, fold, tear, or mutilate. So, where did this message from Albuquerque, New Mexico, come from? Well, it was mailed from zip code 37210. That's Nashville. Nashville isn't real close to Albuquerque the last time I looked, unless there's been a little tectonic plate movement. Well, Inside, same old kind of thing, thing that looks an awful lot like an invoice, except this one was for Inside Photoshop. One year, 12 issues, regular price, $147. Of course, I would get access to the Inside Photoshop online discussion group, a $49 value for free, and I would have access to the online subscription archives, another $49 value for free, and get a 100% money-back guarantee. And, of course, the discount. And what did I owe them? $97. Oh, and by the way, I should mention discount code IPS76006 when placing the order. And then again, in very small type, this is not an invoice. This is an invitation to continue your trial subscription for a full year. You're under no obligation to pay for the issues you received. Again, a good thing because I haven't received any. A payment of the amount due will continue your service as a regular subscriber. If you've already sent payment or paid under a different account, please disregard this notice. Make your checks payable to Eli Journals. Continuation notice, huh? Yeah. Well, I said I did some research. I checked with the Better Business Bureau. Better Business Bureau in Baltimore. That's one of the places where this company, New Hill Services, has an office. actually has several offices, several places around the country. According to the BBB, and I will quote exactly what they say, based on Better Business Bureau files, the company has an unsatisfactory record with the Bureau due to slow response to complaints. Although the company resolved complaints, it was not within the Bureau's time frame for response. So, in other words, if you accidentally pay one of these things and you ask for a refund and you eventually go to the Better Business Bureau, you will eventually get your money back but it's not going to be in a timely manner. The BBB goes on. This company has an unsatisfactory record due to a pattern of complaints alleging that medical offices are being billed for a product that was never ordered. Same trick, different kind of office. On the mailing, in small print, there is a statement that this is not an invoice. It is, in fact, a solicitation to purchase the company's products, Although the company has addressed all complaints processed by the Bureau by stating that they will remove these offices from their mailing lists, they have failed to eliminate the basic cause of the complaints. In other words, the basic cause sending solicitations that look a lot like invoices. So that's the word from the Better Business Bureau. And in probably the strictest interpretation of the law, what this company does probably is not fraud even though New Hill Services lied about who they were and where they're located, and even though their offers were clearly designed not to look like offers, but to look like invoices. Needless to say, I don't intend to subscribe to Eli Journals, the former Element K Journals, and I have let that company know that I don't appreciate their using a company like New Hill Services for solicitations. This must be the week of the grump, had another run-in with uh, Wide Open West and their tech support folks. Monday evening, the 25th of September, I noticed between 8 and 8.30 the internet access had become rather slow. Websites were timing out and I was getting a site cannot be found message. One of my tests involved using ping to ping an IP address. Instantaneous response. I then tried ping with named domains, for example, www.techbiter.com. Ping was very slow to start, 15, 20, sometimes 30 seconds, sometimes it just timed out. Well, that suggested to me that there was a name server problem. The name server is what takes the name you type into your web browser, techbiter.com, and converts it to an IP address that can be routed across the Internet. So, because I could get to an IP address immediately without any problem, but had a little problem when I gave it a name, that suggested a name server problem. I picked up the phone, thought I'd do my good deed, call Wide Open West and suggest to them that there was a problem. Response from Wide Open West was, no, nope, it's a problem with your computer. I had suspected that would happen. So before I even called Wide Open West, I'd gone through the routine. I'd rebooted the router. I'd rebooted the computer. I had taken the computer off the router and plugged it directly into the modem, and I'd rebooted the modem. In fact, I tried that also with a Mac. So I tried it with two computers, two operating systems. Both of the computers connected directly to the modem, not going through a router. At that point, I knew the problem wasn't with the modem, I knew the problem wasn't with the computers. The problem had to be downline somewhere. Most likely, a name server. Well, the technician told me that all the computers that I had plugged into the modem must have failed in the same way at the same time, and I suggested that didn't he find the odds of that being just a little strange? Well, strange things happen with these electronic devices. Uh-huh. And then he tried his next step. Well, it must be a configuration problem with the computers, or with the router. Now, recall that I'd already determined the router is out of the picture at this point. And I've already confirmed that the computers are working properly. I continued to suggest that it looked to me like it was a name server problem, but the technician told me it can't possibly be a name server problem, because I was able to obtain a valid IP address. Okay, yes I could, but I got that from a DHCP server. That's what provides the IP address. The DNS server, which translates domain names into IP addresses, is a totally different service. The technician continued to suggest the problem could not be with the cable modem. I already knew that. I told him it wasn't with the cable modem. And I suggested once again that this must be a name server issue. The technician said, no, that can't be possible because WoW has no name servers. And then he thought about it for a bit and said, well, maybe we do have some name servers, but they're only used for email. At that point, I concluded that I was talking with a blithering idiot, and asked, kindly, I thought, to speak to a Level 2 technician. The technician said, I am a Level 2 technician. A Level 2 technician that doesn't know what a name server is. I think not. My next attempt was to speak with the technician's supervisor. I was told, let me put you on hold for just a moment. I waited for 15 minutes, and hung up. I'd been on the phone or on hold, for about an hour. The problem resolved itself about an hour after I hung up. That's undoubtedly because that's about the time a WoW network engineer found the problem with the name server and fixed it. Okay, so I know that I'm not a genius when it comes to network communications. So the next day I wanted to confirm my diagnosis of what I'd seen the night before. I described what I'd seen to a real network engineer, a guy who's responsible for a business that collects data from 15,000 locations each and every night. He responded, the name server would be the number one answer. Sounds like it was not slaving properly. I hate to say it, but sometimes it's better to play stupid and just hang up on them when you know that you've exceeded their checklist, call back and get somebody else. I can't fault a wow technician that I spoke with for being impolite. He wasn't. He was unfailingly polite, but he was no level two technician. I sent a description of the problem to WoW's corporate office, and a day or two later I heard from an ombudsman. The ombudsman said that he could see the call record, and that the technician who had taken the call, despite what he told me, was indeed not a Level 2 technician. I also learned that it's WoW's policy not to leave a caller on hold for more than five minutes without providing status information, and that infinite hold is not a corporate policy. The ombudsman told me that WoW would have a talk with the technician, I'm hoping that talk wasn't to congratulate him for doing an outstanding job. No gloom and doom in this next item. On September 24th, I mentioned highly trained dogs. These are typically customer service folks at large companies, probably underpaid, probably overworked, possibly lazy, maybe not particularly bright. There might be all of those, They might be more. When customers deal with these highly trained dogs, they respond, but they usually get it all wrong. I've described some places where trained dogs are employed, but here's an example of a place where highly trained dogs are not employed. Now, this isn't the first time that I've mentioned TCR computers out on the east side. They've been in business for you know, 20 years or more, in part because they don't employ highly trained dogs. When you order a computer, they make suggestions that are right for you, even if the result is a computer that costs less than the one you had in mind. And when something goes wrong, they take care of the problem quickly and professionally. That's because they offer a rather long warranty. Not three months, not a year, but three years. Twice I have had serious computer problems on a long holiday weekend. In one, several years ago, I was formatting the C drive and had forgotten that serial ATA drives need a special device driver. In the other case, a memory chip began failing and started causing frequent crashes. Both times, I received answers to my email support messages not on the following Tuesday when I expected because in both of these cases, it was a long holiday weekend with a Monday holiday and I had the problem on Saturday. Didn't receive an answer on the following Tuesday, but on Saturday, right in the middle of a holiday weekend. That happened again fairly recently. I was trying to burn a DVD It wasn't a holiday weekend, but I was trying to burn a DVD on a Saturday, and there was a problem. The application told me there was no DVD in the drive. Well, I knew that was wrong. The drive was there, and it was on the hardware list. There was a blank DVD in it. It was spinning up, so it was getting power. I downloaded a diagnostic from the manufacturer's website. It saw the drive. It allowed me to update the firmware, so I knew the data cables were plugged in. Obviously, it had power. The logic circuitry was okay. That pretty much left... Nothing but apparently a failure of the read-write head. The drive could not read or write a CD or a DVD. So I sent a note out to TCR support and heard back promptly, Sounds like the drive has failed. We'll send you a new one. I guess they know me well enough to understand that I prefer the five-minute job of opening the case myself, swapping out a component, and then putting the case back together, that I prefer that to driving about 30 minutes one way to have them do the five-minute job and then drive 30 minutes back. There was no mention of their needing a credit card number to ensure that I'd return the failed drive so that they could get credit for it. The drive arrived. Actually, it took a couple of weeks. Uh, They sent one, and it disappeared somewhere between the east side of Columbus and Worthington, but they tried again, and the second one did arrive. I installed it, returned the defective unit, and we're all back and running again. That's the way customer service is supposed to work, and it's the way it does work at TCR. And yes, I do like that three-year warranty. In nerdly news, we have recall and battery in the same sentence once again. Fujitsu has announced a battery recall. Fujitsu makes notebook computers that are powered by, ta-da, Sony batteries. And the company is recalling 287,000 of them because of a potential fire risk. That brings to 7 million the number of batteries recalled by Toshiba, Lenovo, Dell, Sony, and Apple. 7 million batteries. The recalls began in August. Coverage was fueled by pictures of a Dell computer catching fire and burning in Japan. Analysts say there could still be some three million Sony batteries that have not yet been recalled. Sony Energy Device Corporation also makes batteries for laptop makers, including Hewlett-Packard, which has been dealing with certain other problems lately. Sharp and Hitachi, they have not yet done recalls. Sony could bleed half a billion dollars in the process of taking care of the problem. Sony makes batteries for other portable devices, DVD players and game consoles, for example. So far, there have been no recalls for any of those products. And speaking of HP, criminal charges were filed this week. Former HP head Patricia Dunn appeared in court after California's Attorney General charged her in connection with a spying operation at the company. Charges have been filed or will be filed against others, including the company's former legal counsel. Dunn surrendered, was booked on four felony charges. Her arraignment is scheduled for mid-November. California Attorney General Bill Lockyer charged Dunn and four others with felony stemming from the use of pretexting or other kinds of deception to obtain phone records of board members and journalists as part of an investigation into boardroom leaks. Dunn will be on CBS's 60 Minutes this evening. I say this evening because the podcast is being recorded the morning of Sunday October 8th. She'll be on the evening of Sunday, October 8th. CBS provided information about Dunn's comments and quote her as saying, every company conducts investigations. Well, that's certainly true. She also said investigations are intrusive by their nature. That's also true. And she continued, if you think that Hewlett-Packard is the only company that has an investigations force, you're being naive. And that's probably true, too. You have to wonder, though, about the use of things like pretexting. Her comments sound rather like what little kids tend to say when their parents say, no, you can't do something. Well, everybody else is doing it. Why can't I do it, Mommy? Hewlett-Packard's founders are probably spinning at about 78 RPM these days. Dunn resigned as chairperson, categorically denied any personal responsibility in the illegal activities. The California Attorney General, though, says that Dunn knew about pretexting, think lying, to obtain private telephone records. H.P. lawyer Kevin Hunsaker was booked on four felony charges, and the Attorney General filed charges against a private investigator, Ronald D'Elia, an information broker, Matthew DePonte, and an operative, Brian Wagner. man's accused of obtaining private phone records, again by pretexting, lying. We could probably all do with a little more truth about lying these days. And going back to the beginning of this week's report, if you lie about who you are, is it fraud? Drop me a note. Let me know what you think. Let me know where you're listening. The address, bill.blinn, B-L-I-N-N, at techbiter, dot com. Thanks for listening. This has been Technology Corner for the week of October 8, 2006. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com, and you can send email from there, too. Thanks. Bye-bye.